Hey guys, welcome back to Opinionated and Underrated. I'm Ella. And I'm Charlotte. It's been a while, we've missed you, but we're here back better than ever. <laughs> we can't say that every time we go on a month-long <laughs> break or longer. Like, we waste one episode, we disappear for two months. We are back better, better than, than ever. ever. And rinse and repeat. And we're never better than ever. We're always worse off. Okay, so, <laughs> so today... We are cycling back to the conversation. It's not cycling. Well, it kind of is because we always talk about femininity. But today we're going to be talking about the relationship between femininity and academia. And this is actually an episode that was inspired by an essay I wrote of my own accord. I know. That How she's cool am I? Put in, a, in an essay competition and win £3,000. No, babes. That was the other competition. <laughs> but thank you for that your enthusiasm. Also, that was also a poem about femininity, though. Yeah, there was. But this, this is also an essay that got her a lot of... Um, academic validation from her English teachers. So maybe that's let's so true. segue into academic validation. Academic validation, right. Now this is really interesting when you put it in conjunction with male validation because they're both two forces that I think I have craved at various points <laughs> in my life. <laughs> haven't we all? Haven't we all? Well, this is the thing. I think craving academic validation is sometimes a substitute for male validation. Mm. And I, I, it feels great. It feels great at first to acknowledge that you're not a worthless bimbo and that you're sophisticated and that you're striving for something productive. But I'm under no impression that my intelligence isn't performative when I fantasise about the men in my life reading my diary entries or I um I write this amazing essay about being a woman and I send it to my male English teachers immediately. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Well, I don't know exactly what you mean, but I can imagine what you mean. Yeah, I think we substitute. <laughs> we. We, want, we. Maybe I. No, no, you no. Have a, you have a void and you want that reassurance that you are intelligent and you are worthwhile. Especially worth when something. so much of being a woman is the association that you are vapid and that you are yeah. thoughtless. And you want to, you want to, it's, it's the thing of like just any sort of um, involvement becomes a rebellion against an assumed status quo. Right. It's that, it's that thing of saying, oh, I wasn't finished talking becomes a feminist statement. Yeah. Raising your hand to ask a question becomes a feminist statement because your, your existence is assumed to be so passive that when you enter an academic context, it feels like you're proving something. Yeah. Rather it's than just that, yeah, it's moving that, through an academic space, existing. Yeah, not being able to exist in the same way that men do. Do you value academic validation from your male teachers more than you value it from your female teachers? Do you think? <sighs> I think I, I think it's very dependent on what it is, but like I feel like I probably do. Mm. I'm not gonna lie because also I've been in. I, this is probably anecdotal, but I think a lot of people will be able to relate in that the role that female teachers have had in my school career has been notably maternal and yeah. it's been notably emotionally supportive and I haven't had that from male teachers in the same way at yeah. all they're there to tell me that my essays are exceptional they're there to tell me that I'm on track they're there to tell me that I've got an A star yeah but it doesn't really stem beyond that but when there have been female teachers literally assuming the role of a mother figure like do you know yeah. what I mean it's just not the same well that well yeah but your relationship with female teachers is on like an emotional level yeah in a way that it wouldn't be with male teachers exactly so it just feels like they're, they're just telling me that because like they're being nice oh whereas because i feel like i have to fight for the male male attention full stop more and then so, when so when you're getting it you're fighting for male academic validation yeah double whammy and also because exactly. getting academic val- validation obviously takes more work yeah right? it like, does you there is effort that goes in like in behind getting that that validation so that's really like that's rewarding in itself and then on top of that 
it's male as well so you know literally like a win-win but then when you think about what generates male validation a lot of it is aesthetic and that Mm. leads into a very interesting conversation about the way you present yourself as a woman in an academic context i think we actually um asked a question on our polls on opinionated and underrated on instagram about whether you feel the need to wear makeup or do your hair or dress up nice or present yourself in a specific way um in an academic environment be it university or school or literally a professional workplace whatever So we asked the question, do you regularly wear makeup to education slash work? And 82% of people said yes. Um, So, I mean, I think, because we asked people to expand and be like, why? What's the difference? And I I made a TikTok ages ago now um, about my friend's EPQ. And she's doing like pretty privilege and appearances basically in academia. Um, And she was looking at how it affects women versus men and obviously how the trend is like much much larger in women and how um it's it's a really weird contradiction because it's obviously the stereotype of like the dumb blonde but then also like you can't get far unless you're attractive quote unquote mm. conventionally attractive um and so i made a tiktok being like oh me putting on my mascara every morning so that i do well in school and it kind of blew up and all of the comments were like um, about how makeup is seen as a part of their professionalism. Mm. So in order to appear professional, you have to like wear makeup because not wearing makeup isn't isn't professional. And someone was saying about how they went to an all girls school and they told them to wear makeup when because when they get real jobs, they have to wear makeup because they're women. <laughs> um, and I think it's even more like striking because coming from a girls school, because it's like, that you're just surrounded by women and it's all it's 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 an environment where it's breeding within women rather than it's men telling you wear makeup you have to wear makeup it's literally within women and someone else said they had a job interview and the lady literally said to her make sure to do her makeup every day and it was a coffee shop a coffee shop so i just (sighs) and, and there were just there were thousands of comments being like um you know this is my experience i'm a woman in stem i wear makeup every single day yeah i've noticed that when i don't wear makeup i either feel less confident or i'm actually treated differently um like personally because as you'll know i if you don't i shaved my head back in 2020 and i when i went back to school it's weird because when you have like the the difference from when you're like having a quote-unquote glow up right and like if you are more attractive you can see the way specifically boys will treat you Uh, I concur. But the way it was, I like, obviously I noticed it, but the stark, like it was, it was so crazy, but like the stark difference of me coming into school with a wig on versus me coming in with my shaved head was so different. Like I could just tell immediately, like every, like the day I wore a wig, the boys were instantly kinder to me. Like they were talking to me more. Um, I was, I don't know, like I was hanging out with them. I don't know, but I could just tell. And even from the teachers as well, like the attitude towards me was different. It was less defensive, aggressive, confrontational and a much more like softer, kinder side to them when I was yeah. literally just wearing a wig. And because obviously I t- could take that wig off the next day, I saw the I saw the difference instantly. Yeah, completely. Well, I, I don't think I've had a change as dramatic as that, but lockdown was such a long extended period of time and mm. we didn't see someone that during that time as a lot of you also may know I did a lot of like internal healing I ate healthily again I don't know I just feel like I came back to school noticeably a lot healthier and happier and it does show on you like it Mm. does show it does give you this glow and I think I just came back to school and immediately the amount of attention I got was so so different Mm. from when I was very in on myself so sad or secluded but yeah it was a lot of it was very aesthetic because I'd sort of grown into myself a bit more etc etc but even on a day-to-day basis like I wear um I wear makeup every single day I don't think there's been a single day actually of my entire 
sick form that I haven't worn makeup, wow. which is insane. And it's like, I'm I, and sort of, it's hard being a feminist because your existence feels so hypocritical all right, of the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I can preach all of this, shout it from the rooftops till, till the day I die. But you're still putting concealer but on makeup still on every day. Putting concealer on, and it's it's that horrible makeup. It's the quote unquote everyday makeup. It's the it's the natural makeup that's just sort of enhancing my face, just covering up those little blemishes. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. at least if I was doing some outrageous eyeliner, like you could do it under the name of art. Yeah, it's like I'm being artistic. This is obviously not what I look like, but everyday makeup is subtle enough that it could just be an extension of you yeah and just, i don't know so would you come to school without makeup i like i would I, i'd be okay i could do it i definitely could do it maybe that's something i'll try and consciously do actually mm. do you know what let's all do it yeah. okay tomorrow i'm gonna I'm, okay fine tomorrow i'm not gonna wear makeup for the first time in the entire year i've had a very 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 long weekend <laughs> <laughs> when we say very long you have you don't even know no idea. It. We've had a very long weekend. So um, yeah, okay, fine. No makeup tomorrow. That means I can lie in for a bit. Cool. Do you want to join is, me in that? I will join you in that. But okay. I, the thing is, I don't, I don't, I only don't wear makeup when I don't have the time. Yeah. Like I, it's, but I make time for it. That's like, the it's problem. Not, but it's not a conscious decision for me. Like I, if I wake up late, I'm like, oh, I can't do makeup today. It's yeah. not like I, I stay in later so I don't do makeup. It's, oh, oh no, I slept in late. I can't do my makeup. Not... I'm not going to do my makeup today. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not a willing thing I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's yeah, literally. But the, the thing is, I I make time. Like I literally, I, well, I, I allow myself yeah. over an hour to get ready for school, which I think is ridiculous. I wake up at six thirty and I don't leave the house till. Yeah, that's ridiculous too because you live like ten minutes from school, whereas I, it's like an hour journey for me to get to school. Yeah. And I wake up at six thirty. Yeah, and it is literally to do my hair, my hair, and my makeup, and pick out a good outfit. Yeah, and I do that every day without fail, and I've just incorporated that into my daily routine. And it feels strange if I don't do that. But it's like I don't know. It's just it's so it's so weird because if you're a boy, obviously, okay. I'm just like I know it's such a silly thing to reduce it down to, but what could you do with that hour in the day? Yeah, that's so true. But then also, I'm thinking, okay, but I feel better when I take the time to look like get ready to look after myself in that that time in the morning I feel better like I go about my day I feel better about myself therefore I feel like the day is better for me so then but then maybe I'd feel better if I read for an hour before school oh honestly and this is links back to that yeah if we're talking about how to excel in an academic field what if I use that hour to study what if I use that hour to read what if I use that hour to harbor my interests or sleep more so you could perform or sleep so I could actually stay awake in my lessons or should I sit there applying my mascara for 10 minutes you know yeah it's just absolute insanity and it is a standard in academia which is the problem mm. but as i was saying earlier feeling like a hypocrite you you kind of know that an intelligent woman wouldn't care about this kind of thing mm. because hot women are dumb and intelligent women understand how stupid these standards are and they've they've ascended to a different plane of yeah. existence but how the fuck you can't ascend against the patriarchy that's not how it works <laughs> i wish it was you wish you could i wish i could just transcend this fucking bullshit and go about my day we're all stuck here unfortunately that's not really the way it works so then I so then what do I do? I take this inherent awareness of my disposability as a woman mm. and I take this desire to be perceived as intelligent, the complete opposite of what vapid shells of women are caric- caricaturized to be. Mm-hmm. And then I combine them and I, I'm like, I'm just going to write about it. I'm just going to channel all of my anger into this. I'm going <laughs> to write about it. I'm going to make art out of it. I'm going to rationalize it. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe if i take these irrational confusing feelings and i put them into a well-structured essay they're more valid because then at least it's an intelligent outlook but were they valid on their own 
because you still but you still had to send them to your teacher so they could validate it for you yeah literally do you know what i mean and this is no shade to them like the teachers that write it were really (laughs) lovely they've given up so much time they want me to enter into competitions they're supporting me oh by the way if you want to read the essay it's a wonderfully articulated essay and you can dm us oh yeah i'll send it to you if you actually want to read it (laughs) it's called the relationship between femininity and academia and i wrote it on a sunday night when the feminist guilt was just ravaging me Mm. it's just you know the vibes the vibes it's just the vibes it's just the vibes actually this is not the vibes this is not the vibes <laughs> anyway we actually because again we've said this many a time on the podcast sometimes we have these experiences and we're like is this a common thing or mm. is it so niche and we're just projecting onto everyone in our lives yeah so i often we, wonder that yeah and i think sometimes the latter is true but we took the time to actually go to speak to two of our absolute favourite female teachers in our college. Yes. So we spoke to them about um, like specifically wearing makeup, getting ready for school. And because they were sharing their experiences about how like just the disgusting, basically sexual harassment. Oh, they get from sexual harassment. They had experienced from other teachers um, and talking about getting ready for the day and one of them was saying how, um, you know, they used to, like, obviously get ready for the day and, like, not, not get ready, for, you know what I mean, like, put on, like, loads of makeup, like, dress, quote-unquote, really nicely. Um, and then now that they've, like, kind of stopped doing that more, like, very, quote-unquote, natural makeup, very minimal makeup, like, minimal effort into, I don't know, what they look like, the the difference in how they've been treated like you know you can tell the difference Mm -hmm. and also i thought something was really interesting she was talking about how how the students treat her oh this is really interesting and how boy and like obviously we know teachers who are you know they're either very strict and that's how they discipline their class or they're they're they have a great relationship with the children and that's how they discipline their class and obviously there's people in between but that's like kind of the two main ways of disciplining children right is you either get to know them like become really good friends with them friendly with them that's how they're disciplined or you know law of the land (laughs) (laughs) i don't know know. is that not a phrase i'm not sure let's go with it you know what i mean basically and she was saying um there are times when she just wants to like be that kind of discipline like a strict shout but she knows that as a female teacher the boys in her class specifically just won't take that seriously and she'll become hysterical and it's a hysterical crazy bitter woman rather than a teacher disciplining her class yeah but if it was a male teacher would the situation be different i think definitely probably but then when she tries to go to the other extreme and be the kind empathetic teacher she'll get walked all over by teenage boys who won't listen to a word she says Mm -hmm. it's very much lose-lose especially when we spoke to another teacher and she was telling us that she literally worked in the school for a year she had a really good relationship with the students but on her final day they told her that one of the senior members of staff had said that they thought that she only got listened to because of the size of her breasts. Not even, like, <laughs> not even, right? Not even it's one of the children, right? And they're saying... And, you know, ch- like, children are cruel. Children are awful. Children are... Te- sorry, teenagers... Oh, my God. ...are absolute arseholes. Like, they are... They can be disgusting people. It wasn't even from the teenagers, like, oh, we only listen to you because of your boobs. It was another... Se- and I think female... Yeah. Female senior member of staff. Like, and that's also one of the problems we were talking about with them is how a lot of the misogyny in the workplace comes from other women, comes from female colleagues who are saying, oh, are you sure you want your shoulders out? Yeah. Oh, is that dress not a bit short when you're going to work? And, and that's with children. <laughs> with children. Yeah. But not that that changes anything. 
Oh my god. And, it, and it's that thing of again when you when you don't align with patriarchal standards, like it's quite desirable to just reject them and be like, oh my god, they were stupid anyway. You know when it, you don't get invited to a party and you're like, oh, I don't want to go anyway. Mm. It's that same energy of like, well, they don't think I'm hot, so like that whole thing's stupid anyway. When you don't align with standards, you're sort of bitter about it anyway. And then maybe you see someone who's younger than you, or I don't know, and you just take that bitterness out on them. Yeah, and. It's just so obviously so unproductive. We don't need to say how unproductive it is, mm. but it's just a shame because I was, we were saying this with one of the teachers. We were saying that like you expect men to be for you. You know that if you is nothing, you know there's that attitude that um, <laughs> you're substanceless. Um, but you know, women possess the empathy to hear you and feel you because you know they're in the same position to you and that you know that they understand. So when they choose not to that really hurts because you know they could yeah when it's coming from them it stings even more because at least when at least when boys are being sexist you know you can say it's from a place of oblivion yeah and it's from a place of ignorance but when girls do it it feels more malicious because you know how this feels you know how it feels and you're doing it anyway but that's why and it's such a specific way to target other women yeah that itch it's just yeah. not nice jump down their throats before someone jumps down yours yeah okay well this is what we're talking about right and i think a lot especially like a lot of the conversation around internalized misogyny and that whole trend of pick me pick me girls <sighs> and i'm not like other girls and how it got completely got turned around on women and it's yeah. just women infighting being like well you've got internalized misogyny well you've got, we've all got internalized <laughs> misogyny none of you are exempt we're not exempt no. but you shouldn't bring other women down for that it's so counterproductive and i think what happened was we just became so self-aware overly self-aware too much too self-aware that we were turning in on each other and not looking at the men being like okay well look look what they're doing and i'm not saying obviously blame more men but I'm, i mean from a patriarchal sense of view this is what the patriarchy is doing it's not boys and girls who are like projecting that mm-hmm. it's the actual standards and we're just getting mad at women and we're getting mad at boys we're not getting mad at the actual problem yeah, literally. I completely, completely agree with you. I think it's also interesting when you put that misogyny into the context of, like, age-based. Academia is at its most accessible to people, probably under the ages of 21, mm-hmm. because obviously school is schooling is compulsory up until the ages of 16, at least in the UK. And then a lot of people go on to either do apprenticeships or university or some sort of context where they're still learning things. Yeah. Maybe it's not an, um, academic in the way that we'd assume it to be studying books like some people don't do that they go on to do um vocational things yeah but you're still learning like learning is very very common for people under the ages of 21 because you need to develop skills to go into the workplace like that's just that's just a standard um so when you're a woman and you're young and you're trying to enter an academic field oh my god you can get met with so much just belittlement Mm. and it's just like Again, it's that thing of trying to prove that you are mature for your age. You are actually clever. You're, yeah. you're not. You are not substanceless. There is something to you. Well, it's the constant proving yourself. Yeah. So we asked the question: If you are a woman in education, do you feel you are taken as seriously as your male counterparts? And seventy-five percent of people said no. Hmm. We spoke to the teachers about this, didn't we? Yeah, about being taken as seriously as your male colleagues. I think the most interesting thing that one of them said was that. Um, she felt that it's not even a matter of being taken seriously. It's a matter of not having a voice. It's, it's not even having heard. the voice yeah. to be belittled or listened to. I mean, I think we were talking about like the actual, you know, like being spoken over and having the confidence to say, oh, I wasn't finished speaking. 
Mm. Um, and obviously it's very easy now that we're aware of why and how that happens to be like, okay, we'll just say, just say that. Just yeah. say, oh, you're speaking over me. Just continue your sentence. But it's it's intimidating in a setting of like in, acad- in like a high standard academia when the majority of it is men to stop and be like, oh, sorry, I wasn't finished. And again, it becomes a feminist statement. And, and it becomes the woman's responsibility. Yeah. And she has to juggle the desire to finish her sentence with the feelings of everyone in the room, mm. most of whom are probably senior to her. And even if you're in a department or a subject or a field that is quote unquote female, mm. you know, all the humanities and the art subjects that are based more in foundations of empathy, which go more in hand in hand with femininity rather than the the practicality and subjectivity of which can STEM, be of yeah. STEM, which can be more associated with masculinity. So you're in a female dominated subject and yet it's still quite likely that the people above you are men. Are men, yeah. So the workforce is women, but the senior leaders are, are not a lot of the time. I think we're lucky that in our personal school situation a lot of the senior members are women yeah but i don't know how i don't know if i can speak for across the general board Mm. but even in even in like departmentally at our school yeah it is men yeah exactly like running those quote-unquote feminine subjects and they're doing a great job most of the time (laughs) don't get me wrong they're doing a great job (laughs) but the thing is like teaching is a female dominated industry yeah and even then but well, still manages to be these power structures. Well, because, you know, obviously, like, why are women more, like, being filtered into certain job roles, lower, quote-unquote, lower-ranking job roles, teaching being one of them, because, obviously, stereotypically, pay is not as high, um, stereotypically, the qualifications for it not as high, all of those things, mm. and, like, how we push women into those, like, n- less aspiring roles. Yeah like in society and that's and like, and yet men are being pushed towards those oh but look what you can do to all those high higher roles and that's changing now like we're saying to women no you can do this you can do that but that generational that's still lingering yeah because obviously that's who we're seeing we're seeing the generation before us who didn't have people saying to them no go go and aspire to be in all these high paying roles all these high um management roles um and we're left with the generation that you know wasn't didn't have that and so that's our role model i guess i don't know how much that will linger on for yeah isn't it quite (laughs) it's quite draining to be the ones pioneering the way isn't it (laughs) i wouldn't say we're pioneering but but um no yeah no i know what you mean because no but the thing is it's so it's such a we this change happened so quickly yeah and obviously it's so weird to think like our grandparents time versus our time Mm -hmm. is literally a different world yeah (laughs) Um, and so obviously it's weird when like the messages we're receiving is different from what we're seeing in the generations above us because those are the ones those are our teachers yeah literally and those are the people in high those are the ceos those are the people in high management and as a teacher it's so easy to pass your i don't know your i don't know if biases is the right word but it's so easy to part your pass your perspectives onto your students who are so impressionable at a young age as well like a lot of people if they get the green light from their teacher so that an opinion is valid they will go on and use that whether it be good or bad and it's scary because obviously a lot of really productive conversations can happen in classroom settings and they should happen in classroom settings but but when though the conversation takes a transphobic turn or a homophobic turn and the teacher isn't shutting the one to put them in back in place and they're the ones actually encouraging them and joining in because but like why would they not that's the generation right yeah exactly um yeah it can be quite conflicting in that sense so yeah it can be conflicting to be the progressive generation with such um well can be stagnant teachers 
completely completely i just think the whole conversation around school is interesting in general because obviously being in school and sexualization go hand in hand mm. it's unfortunate that when you google the word schoolgirl, women in uh, compromising sexual positions come up very quickly right um and it's just, it's not even just the kids that are being sexualized. It's not even the, the schoolgirls that are being catcalled on their way to school in their uniform. It's the teachers as well. Well, it's that like that sexy, sexy teacher. teacher stereotype. Yeah, literally. Um, and then how are you striking the balance of looking quote unquote professional oh as God. in as if you've put enough effort, but not being putting too much effort in that you're too sexy to teach. Yeah, literally it's such a lose-lose. Like how 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 do you even win? It's that, um, it's that, uh, not to link everything back to Freud, <laughs> but <laughs> don't roll your eyes. It's that Freudian thing of, of the Madonna Hall complex that you want to be sexualizable, but if you're sexualizable, you're deprived of respect. It's that you are, you're either a Madonna, so you are pure and you are completely worthy of respect, or you are a whore. You are sexualizable and that is the end of it. And the two can't coexist. Right. Yes. Yeah, so you can't, basically it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know the way he wrote it, mm. but it's that men see you either as respectable, but in that, if you're respectable, then you're not fuckable. If you're fuckable, you can't be respected. Yeah, and then the two can't coexist, so literally, how can you win? I mean, I think we can delve into Madonna Hall later, um, in, maybe in a different episode. Yeah, but it's just, I think it's an interesting way to look at it, at least, because yeah, it certainly strikes, strikes home for me. Speaking of which, do you want to talk about the imposter syndrome? I would love to talk about imposter syndrome. Um, I personally feel a lot of imposter syndrome in, I think is there was a, there was a moment, there was a moment in time. I don't know how this was happening, but I was considering physics A-level. <laughs> I don't, remember don't, this. Uh, let me tell you why. It's because I loved my physics teacher. Oh uh, yeah, that was and it. And you were she, good at it. And I was good at it. And I always did well in physics. I didn't like, I didn't particularly enjoy maths hated like chemistry and biology but i love physics for some reason so i was considering physics for a level um and as i walked into the taster session one of the boys was like what are you doing here mm. and i was like oh i'm just here for the taster same as you are and he was like right like basically like why the hell are you here you don't belong here and so in a science specifically in a science setting i've never ever felt like oh i belong i belong here mm um english i feel slightly like oh yeah no i do belong here like i feel comfortable in an english setting but only because i don't know maybe you get the grades i get the grades so i'm valid enough to be there yeah um and also it's quite accepting because it is a like largely feminine subject yeah i mean my old english class before i moved there was only one boy yeah it was all girls and basically all of the teachers are girls as well yeah so in that sense i can i don't know it's quite accepting in that sense um but humanities subjects like even history things that are like supposedly like they're seen as like harder humanity subjects mm -hmm. i don't feel like i belong there as much because it's like I'm, i feel like an imposter there yeah completely i don't know because i've i very much rejected i i rejected the places that i felt like an imposter so early on that it's quite hard to tell where i fit mm, into it now right but i've forged so much of my identity and don't get me wrong i have such a passion for music and such a passion for english but i forged so much of my identity around it that i think it's maybe a defense mechanism against feeling like an imposter right i've strived so hard to be the best at english and to be a, an accomplished musician and, I, and i've achieved it now like i've got i've got there yeah but it was just i think to just prove to myself that i did belong somewhere yeah and it's bleak because, yeah, it's exactly the thing of having to prove yourself, an existence of proving yourself. It's yeah. tiring sometimes. 
But do you know what else is tiring? And this is not a complaint because obviously having conversations about feminism and stuff is great and it's awesome that everyone gets involved. But it's that thing of when you just have to keep repeating yourself and repeating yourself and Mm. talking about it and having your own ideas presented to you as if they're new. Well, the thing is, they're not our ideas. No, that's so true. Um, They're just ideas that we found out from other people and then regurgitated and like applied to our own life, Mm. um, as all ideas are. Yeah. But especially like studying a subject like English where feminism does come up a lot and a lot of our course is centred around feminism, it does, yeah, I think it gets tiring because I think, I don't know, we've been aware of it for so long so that when we're studying these things, obviously it's validating to talk about it, but also it's like, oh, this is all we do. (laughs) I know, and I know, and it's it's like, I, I I want people to talk about feminism all the time and it's great that we're having these conversations and applying them to our real lives. But when I'm being shown a video by a male teacher, one of those stock videos of, mm. am I a woman? I grow my leg hair. Am I a woman? And I, get- I don't wear a bra. Am I a woman? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then it's, are you surprised by this video? And then I get asked if I find it shocking. I'm like, no. No, I don't. No. And I said that and I said, no, I don't find it shocking because this is just the reality of my life. And he was like interesting (laughs) interesting take but the thing is like obviously i appreciate the effort so much yeah and at least the attempt to empathize with me and to hear me is so much more than 99 percent of people would 99 percent of men would do yeah but equally it's just that thing of like i've been here been there done that Mm, i know like i know this so it's a bit of a redundant complaint but it's just an interesting observation yeah no i i mean i get it like I would, but the thing is, I'd rather have these conversations than not. So I'm not complaining no, at all. Not. But you can, like, we can, I can understand how it can be tiring. Yeah. Do you agree that because there are often less men in creative subjects that they get more praise and opportunity for this? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because, yeah. <laughs> yes, let me explain why. <laughs> I'm going to apply this to the context of the studies that I do. And as I've mentioned, I do English music and I also do politics. English is a very female heavy subject in my experience. So you have men in the classroom and if they make any slight effort to listen to you or, or get involved in the feminist discussion or even mm. just even just get involved in the fe- quote unquote female like studies, it's more of like, a, oh, look at them go. Like mm. it's it's more appreciated. And in a way, I sort of get why, because like, it, unfortunately, it is more remarkable when a guy chooses to engage like that than when a girl does. But it's not even just in conversations about feminism, is it? It's just mm. in general. Like, I think on the one hand, it's so nice to see men contradicting the standards that also work against them of what is masculinity, what is toughness, what is pathetic, what is expression, should you be deprived of that? It's so nice to see a rebellion against that. But also, again, it's that thing of an existence should not be a rebellion. Someone mm. studying a subject they love should not be a rebellion against a standard. You no, know, but it is, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know. I think, I, I don't know. I think, obviously, I was considering taking physics. I ended up taking RE. I switched from RE to art. Wow. What a, what a journey. And I, I think what stopped me from doing art at a level and like this was a and unfortunately this was like a massive factor was for me was that it wasn't going to be taken seriously yeah even though art is my hardest a level and is so much work and is probably like one of the most labor intensive a levels and has taken up all of my time it still is not viewed as difficult yeah and and obviously like it's silly because there is so much like talent and work that goes behind 
people who do RA level but for me I was like "Mm, my RA level isn't going to be viewed with the same respect that an RS or a physics A level would be so I'm not going to do it yeah and then so I wonder is it that those subjects don't get taken seriously because they're predominantly female subjects (laughs) probably yes probably yes obviously something like this you can't prove so if you don't agree with us we can't disprove you you can't disprove us but yeah, I would I would definitely, definitely agree with that. Which I think is just so sad because I missed out on those first however many weeks of the course because yeah. of what I was fussed what other people thought of my yeah. A-levels. I just remember someone saying, I told them what A-levels I was planning to do um, and they knew someone who was doing science, maths and then I said I was doing English, music and politics and they went, how eclectic. <laughs> how eclectic. How eclectic. And I just sort of thought like, okay, fucking how dumb how dumb (laughs) how stupid are you yeah but yeah the absolute irony of it is that like the skills that you need like in music oh my god the amount of time i devote to practicing and composing and revising my set works and annotating and like so much skill like it is a very skill-based a level Mm. in the way and i'm not saying people who do like uh i don't know science like that is obviously a skill but a lot of it is more based on your knowledge but i would say that art and music they're more skills do you know what i mean Mm. um i just know right like it has to be developed exactly it's something that's developed over time it's not knowledge you acquire right yeah yeah okay no i see that yeah i'm not articulating it especially well but i think you sort of know what i mean no i do know what you mean and that can be very easily overlooked because it will take it will probably take you a month to revise a core module in a subject that is module based but it will take you years to get to a good standard in in an instrument in an instrument exactly yeah i never thought of it like that yeah and the last part of it is there are people who are sitting in the library doing their maths homework but then i'm not allowed to go to the music room and practice my instrument even though that is also part of my study. But it's because, it's because for me, music is viewed as a hobby and mm. not, a, not, a, not an academic pursuit when it is very, very much an academic pursuit in my life. Yeah. And it's, again, it's our limiting view well, that, on what academics is. Exactly. And what valid careers are. Yeah. Because exactly. I think specifically, I don't know, but like the, so the dress code at our school is what you would wear to work. Office clothes. Yeah. And I think it's quite, I'm, I'm not saying the, the dress like the dress code is the dress code yeah but i think it's funny the way they phrase it like yeah. this is what you're going to be wearing to work meaning you're going to have your the direction that you're, you're going to be a lawyer in, you're going to be a lawyer you're going to be a doctor this is what you should be wearing to work because these are the these at this prestigious school this is what you should be this is for. the professional environment you're going to enter as if a professional environment doesn't also include like um dress concert clothes and an apron and like overalls do you know what yeah, i mean exactly a book as if they're not valid career options because when you say i want to be an artist as a career it's like oh yeah what a shame exactly what a shame i want to be i want to be a musician yeah oh oh, poor thing and i tell you what as someone who has achieved high grades their entire school career has multiple scholarships has always been um, like a high flyer when i not to toot my own horn (laughs) when i said i'm absolutely not applying for oxbridge at uni yeah oh my god the reaction i got the outrage yeah Yeah. exactly and when i was like one my top choice uni isn't even a russell group they were like <gasps> you're stunt yeah like you are stunting yourself you are limiting yourself mm. but then i was like <laughs> i'm absolutely not limiting my i would be limiting myself by forcing my heart into a box that it didn't like that yeah. would be limiting myself but that's completely overlooked yeah i uh, actually i don't even know if i believe this but i feel like maybe 
where you go to university is less important now well yeah there's less i mean just things like Oxbridge universities they're less prestigious now than they used to be they're less desired in a professional context because actually people but but they are like I don't know if I agree with that because well that's what they want you to think anyway (laughs) yeah I don't know because I I I don't know like I know people who are employers Mm. and some of them are saying oh I don't even look at where they went and some of them are saying I see Oxbridge tick immediately put to the top of the list yeah but then also like those kind of the careers that they're employing for are different as well. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, yeah, it is career dependent. That's a good point. For me, I'm quite interested in, God, this is a double whammy. Being a music teacher, that is an option for me at this Ooh, moment in time. That double, is a double, double homicide. <laughs> and a half. Musician and a teacher. God, yeah, exactly. So I know that for me, <laughs> university, what university I go to is not the biggest factor mm. because... It's not a super prestigious job. There's a shortage of teachers, a shortage of music teachers. A lot of places would be lucky to have me. Yeah. So that's not really a concern. But if I were to be a lawyer, if I were to be a doctor, mm. I mean, doctor's probably not the best example because of medical universities, but, you know, I, I completely agree that it is the air of prestige. But then what even is prestige? It's just such an illusion and it's such, it's a form of categorization and just trying to assure yourself that you're better than people around you who have the exact same passion and intelligence and capacity as you do but just didn't get the same opportunities as you because unfortunately it does boil down down to that at the end of the day that's the thing that comes along with these like quote-unquote prestigious like universities Mm. and just careers and stuff it it, because of the history of them and the people stereotypically the people running those prestigious vocations and universities were white men and a lot of it also does boil down to racism and to patriarchy so when you're talking about these prestige elitist institutions essentially that's that's what it is classism Mm. racism and patriarchy because that's what it always boils, boils down to yeah definitely definitely and it is worth noting that my experience as a woman in academia is so so different to that of a black girl who's number one experiencing similar things to me but then on top of that yeah. they're like you're so well spoken well you're so intelligent you articulate yourself so well it's just a whole new layer mm-hmm. and it's just like it's just so much worse so much more work as well yeah exactly having is even more work of having to prove yourself that you belong that you have thoughts and that you are a fully fledged human being yeah as a feminist you feel hypocritical for reinforcing standards of like being hot or like not going into STEM or doing this or that. Mm. But then it's just so important to actually like harbour your strength and admit what does enrich you intellectually. But then also as a feminist, I need to recognise that I am a feminist. I'm a woman in a country where the barriers to my education are societal and often not physical. Yeah, it's it's what, yeah, literally your mind. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's the environment that I'm in. Yeah, rather than we that we don't have the opportunity rather than so the fact i might be shot at exactly right so many people don't have the actual physical opportunity to and what we're complaining about obviously valid valid um is our feelings yeah and obviously those all come into account but that we do have i i feel we have a responsibility to yes completely to pursue those like bar our imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome and our confidence and what we feel we can do um, because there are so many people who can't pursue their passions. Completely. I feel, as you said, such a responsibility and a duty to go and devote a third of my timetable to Mozart in honour of all the girls worldwide who cannot. Yeah. 
I'm just going to I'm just going to read something that someone said on the polls. Mm-hmm. To summarize, teachers take girls seriously in terms of them knowing that girls will pass exams, try hard, do homework, etc. Mm. However, I think boys have it easier in the sense that they get away with more and still get the same education as girls. Mm-hmm. They misbehave and they're given a punishment and then help to get be better. They don't have to look their best. They usually don't have to cope with friend drama and often romance drama because they're socialized to not care about this. I think that girls have a tougher time in education for this reason. Yeah, I agree. A lot of the social side of education can actually be quite a barrier sometimes. What's well, expected of you? Well, I mean, I think there's that's the conversation around should, should um, like, are girls schools better for girls? Mm. Because I know that, <laughs> and well, I know that's the thing, right? Like I, a lot of the argument from the parents of children who they're sending to girls schools was, oh, it's actually better for boys when they're in a co-ed education, but it's worse off for girls because boys need that socialization with girls but girls can thrive in a situation where they're not being quote-unquote distracted by boys do you know what i mean yeah definitely which i don't know if i agree with because <laughs> i love my co-ed education i wouldn't change that yeah me too um but i did see girls who i don't know would they have done better like academically mm. potentially could have done better in, in a girl's school environment yeah but i don't know if that's good in like a societal no. sense because you're going to go and work with boys so you need to learn how to do it at school but i think boys benefit more from it than girls do yeah but does because it ju- because girls can't quite mature faster <laughs> but then does going to a girl's school just put off the inevitable mm, yeah learning how to deal with boys that are going to hinder you well that's the thing i was speaking to um a few girls in the year below us not year below us years below us um and basically chatting to them about the misogyny that the boys like the misogyny in their year basically and it's sad because like it, it's their responsibility mm-hmm. like they have to protect each other from their fat phobia and misogyny and cruelness rather than just being able to enjoy their school experience because yeah. these boys aren't mature enough because these boys mature slower than girls so oh girls you have to try and like because that's what we're told right like as girls who behave well in school put us next to the naughty boys and we'll calm them down we'll we'll like teach them how yeah. to because then that's our responsibility as girls who quote unquote mature faster than boys. Oh God, yeah. So we then all why detract we from be... our education right, to so take why... on their feelings. So yeah, so why are we detract why are they detracting from girls' education to deal with these boys when, you know, you could put them in a in a girls I'm I don't know, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Like I don't I don't really agree with like single sex girls like um single sex schools. But I'm just I'm just wondering the benefits. Yeah. It's it's interesting to think about, to be honest. I think just in general like feminist guilt or self-awareness can be like a very very intense force and then coming to terms with the fact that your participation in the world is a little bit hypocritical Mm -hmm. takes a lot internally uh like you know when i used to punish myself for not conforming to standards being a good feminist exactly and just not being a good woman full stop i used to just have a horrible thought in the back of my mind like at least i'm clever Mm. i may be ugly but at least i'm clever at least i have some worth to me yeah but the most, and that links back to male validation versus academic validation. But the most horrible part about that is that it literally did not matter whether I was clever or not, because hating myself was so consuming that I was not vivid enough to allow my intelligence and passion to grow. Mm. So what was left of me, really? Trying to let go of that excessive control over the desire to prove yourself is the only way that you can really experience the full enthusiasm and curiosity and the vividness and the joy that academia and education can bring you. Right. Especially when it's such a privilege, unfortunately, in the world we live in, to, to be a that. woman who yeah. can experience that full stop. 
I think my only conclusion from all of this is that um, like being aware of a woman's position in academia is so vital, like as a metaphor for being a woman in general and having to prove your existence and just talking about the interaction between different aspects of femininity in our lives and the application of that to the world that we live in. Yeah, absolutely. And don't like, don't beat yourself up. No. You can wear makeup to school. God, it doesn't yeah. mean you're a bad feminist. No. And you can, you can, you can enjoy academic validation from your male teachers, but you, you can also have like emotional relationships with your female teachers. These are all just kind of part of the growing up school experience that yeah. you don't have to have guilt about, but it's also okay to be aware of these things. Yeah. Um, and, try and i guess take that knowledge and move through your academic life with that and i also want to discuss imposter syndrome maybe more in a later episode oh that's a good idea and overcoming that because um we'll definitely put some polls up for that yeah if you want to get more involved with the content of our podcast please head to our instagram opinionated and underrated while we put polls in our stories regularly if you have more to say then the simple question box will allow you to say please dm us we absolutely love it when you message us it doesn't have to be podcast related just you could just dm us have a chat <laughs> thank you so so much for listening yeah thank we you. know we're not as regular as always but as women in academia there's a lot on our plates <laughs> these days very very true um So we will see you when we see you. And thank you very much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, now I'll stop.